Hey, 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 Summit Church, how you doing? So good to see you guys here in Kernersville. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Andy. I'm the pastor over at our Oak Ridge location. All of you guys over in Oak Ridge, hope you've had a great week. I look forward to getting back over there with you next week. And those of you at Jamestown, thanks so much for joining us today. And everybody online, thank you so much for tuning in and spending your Sunday morning with us or maybe during the week this week. We would love to invite you if you're watching online and you're close to one of our locations, we would love to invite you to come and experience the summit with us in person at one of our locations soon. We would love to meet you in person. But anyway, thank you guys so much for being here. We are getting close to the end of this One Another series where we're talking about relationships and how you and I as Christians are to treat other people. It's been a great, great series. I would love this morning to ask everybody at all of our locations to participate with me just for a quick minute. I'm going to give you permission to do something that we usually don't do in church. You ready? I'm going to give you permission right now to daydream. Could you do that? Some of you are like, Pastor, you don't have to give me permission. I do that every week during the message, right? We're going to give you permission to daydream. And I know a minute and a half into this message, I'm already your favorite pastor because I'm giving you permission to do that. Make sure you tell Jonathan uh, when you see him that I'm your favorite from here on out, right? So here's what I ask you guys to do. I want you to imagine with me just for a few minutes, what would you do if you had unlimited resources, unlimited time, unlimited energy, what would you do? Where would you go? What would you see? Who would be with you? How long would you stay? What would you buy, right? I mean, if I got unlimited resources, I'm gonna buy something. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and think about the vacation. If you didn't have to worry about like, you know, PTO, vacation time for work. In fact, if we're gonna daydream, you don't even need to work, okay? Let's just take that out of the equation all together, right? And get an amen, yep. If we're going to daydream, we're going to go that far. If you had unlimited resources, unlimited time, unlimited energy, what would you do? I bet for you, you like me and that you don't have to think about that too long, right? In fact, you've probably done this before. Most of the time we daydream during times where we're trying to get out of something, right? Maybe at work, right? We're at work and it's, it's so easy to daydream at work. Students, it's easy to daydream at school, right? I mean... It's so easy. I bet for some of you, you've even made a list if you had unlimited resources. In fact, I can remember when I worked in corporate America, I never daydream at the summit, but back in the day when I worked at corporate America, I, it was so easy to daydream. And every time that there was like this big mega lottery that would take place, I mean, the hundreds of millions of dollars, you guys know what I'm talking about. These people, some people would come around and they would start this kind of a lottery pool, right? And if you wanted to get in, you would give a dollar or two, you know, you'd sign your name because you thought your chances would be better to win the lottery if we were able to buy like hundreds of tickets, right? And the time in between you signed that piece of paper and the time you found out that you're still a loser, you didn't win the lottery, right? The time in between, we daydream like crazy. I mean, we make lists. It's like, man, if I win the lottery, I'm going to buy this. In fact, for me, I'm just going to be honest with you, if resources were unlimited for me and I just had whatever money, I'd go right on down and buy me a brand new GMC 2500 crew cab, diesel, leather seats, loaded. I mean, you can tell I thought this through, right? <laughs> I mean, I would definitely go get me a brand new truck. Maybe for you, you go get a new vehicle too. 
Maybe you, maybe you go buy a new house, maybe a house at the beach, right? Or the mountains or the lake. See, isn't this fun? Isn't daydreaming fun at church? Now we're gonna get the daydream out of the way now so that hopefully you can track with me here in just a few minutes. But here's what I know about me and what I know about you is when, when you and I have the opportunity to daydream, a lot of times we focus on ourselves. And let me tell you, if I had the opportunity to unlimited resources and I could daydream all the time, it, it would probably look like a trip that I took last year. My wife and I were able to take a trip with a couple of our friends and we don't have unlimited resources by any means. In fact, all we could afford was four days, four nights at this resort. But we went down to a place uh, north of Cancun and we stayed at a resort called Secrets Resorts. You, anybody ever heard of Secrets Resorts? Yeah, it's amazing. Let me tell you the best part about it. You ready for this? No kids allowed. <laughs> Amen, brother, I'm telling you. Now look, I love kids and uh, I have two daughters, Kaylee and Carrington. Kaylee's getting ready to turn 10 and Carrington is seven years old. And I love kids. In fact, if, if you know me, you know how much I love kids, but here's the deal. If I'm going on a vacation with my wife and I'm not taking my kids, I don't want to have your kids bugging the crap out of me too. Can I just be honest with you? I mean, that was what attracted to me to this resort. So anyway, we go to Secrets, we travel down, you know, we we've, we've flew down there and then we had this transportation to get us over to the hotel. And we arrive at the hotel and the doors open up. I mean, it's beautiful, right? And there's these two ladies standing there. One's got a tray of champagne glasses and I'll let you try to figure out what I did with that. And then there's these other, this other lady, she's holding a whole thing of like these, these rags, these towels that have been soaked in cold water that's been like soaked in something that smells heavenly. Now I have no clue what heaven smells like, but it's gotta be something close to this. And the reason they give you this towel is so, if you've ever experienced this, so you can kind of start your vacation off right. No, you're supposed to like clean your face and then give it back to them and you know, kind of refresh and it kind of gets you in this relaxation type mode. I mean, you're about to be just served all week. And I think you're supposed to give it back to them within like 30 seconds, but five minutes later, I'm still like, I'm taking a bath in this thing, you know, I'm washing my legs. I'm like, I gotta get some of the smell on me. My wife will not be able to keep her hands off of me all week. This is gonna be amazing. I'm telling you, best part, no kids. Did I say that already? No kids allowed this place. So anyway, I finally give back this towel and we get checked into our room. And the room is absolutely amazing. In fact, there's, there's like phones everywhere, a phone next to the commode, okay? I don't know why you need a phone next to the commode, but you got 24 seven room service. So I, I'm gonna order food from the commode at some point this week, but it's, it's amazing. 24 hour room service. These people are there to make sure that you have the best possible experience that you're gonna get served the entire time. And then we go to the pools. Check out this picture of the pools. Ah, oh, look at, isn't that awesome? You guys just give me a minute. I'm going back there. So awesome. But you had these people who, no matter if you were at the pool or if you're on the beach, they just walked around and their whole job was to serve you. I mean, if you wanted something to drink, something to eat, you needed a towel, if you needed an umbrella. Now, the only thing they didn't give us that I wish they would have gave us was extra sunscreen. I got some poison while I was down there in Cancun and that was not fun, but we won't talk about that, right? So and they had these nice, resort, uh, nice restaurants that you would go to and nightlife and all this kind of stuff. I mean, and there was no kids. Did I mention that already? No kids. It was phenomenal. And here's why I tell you that story is because 
If you and I have unlimited resources, unlimited time, unlimited energy, you could probably think of something like that. You, you probably got a vacation in mind that you would love to take. And the thing is, is that for all of us inside of us, there is this gravitational pull that if we had unlimited resources, unlimited time, the pull is to us, right? I bet you wasn't sitting there thinking about, man, I would do this for somebody else. Maybe you were, you're extra spiritual, Jesus freak, I get it, you're better than I am. But for the rest of us, we were thinking about what we would do for ourselves. Why is that? See, some people call it a sin nature, but this has been there since really the beginning, right? There's this gravitational pull. It's what got Adam and Eve in trouble, right? Because they wanted something more for themselves. So the question is, is if that's inside of all of us, and there's this gravitational pull to me, and there's a gravitational pull for you to focus on yourself, then what sets me and you apart from the rest of the world? As Christ followers, as people who say we believe in Jesus and we follow Jesus, what sets us apart from the rest of the world? See, John records that Jesus said that we would be known to the rest of the world by how we love others. How we love others, not how we love ourselves, but that we would be set apart by how we love others. So right off the bat, if that natural pull is for us to think about our, ourselves, it's inside of all of us, and then Jesus says, hey, but wait a second, in order for you to be identified in the world, we're supposed to love others. So it kind of creates this tension that's rubbing up against each other for us who call ourselves Christ followers. And we live in that tension every day and we have to decide what are we going to do with that tension. If Jesus says that we'll be identified by how we love others, then what does that look like? What does it look like for us to love others? And that's really what this whole series has been all about, identifying how us as Christians love one another. Now I wonder if, if Jesus says that we would be set apart by how we love others, and I wonder if the world knew, the people who, who don't believe in what we believe, the people who, you know, they're not, they're not Christians, they don't follow Jesus, okay? If they knew that that's what the person who we're following said about us, that we would be identified by how we love others, and if they were giving us a grade, if that was the scorecard, I wonder how we would be graded. I wonder to the world as Christians, are we really set apart from the rest of the world? Because we're, this gravitational pull is to us, and Jesus says that we will be known by how we love others. So that's what we've been doing in this entire series, and today is not going to be any different. We've been asking this question, what does love require of me? As somebody who says they follow Christ, what does love require of me? And today, we're going to look at something specific that I think that Jesus modeled better than anybody else. In fact, his whole life was about this. What does love require of you and I? Love requires that we serve one another, that we serve one another. And Jesus was the best at this. But see, when you and I think about serving each other, we are other people, we automatically go to what? It's an obligation, right? Oh, I just, I gotta serve. Church requires that I serve. If I'm gonna be a Christian, 
then I have to serve. It's, it's an obligation. See, there was once somebody who wrote a new part of the, uh, most part of the New Testament. His name was the Apostle Paul. You guys, we, we teach Paul stuff all the time here at the summit, right? And Paul, he lived in this tension between what people saw as an obligation and what now is become freedom through Christ Jesus. And what we're gonna learn today is that, yes, we have to serve one another, but it doesn't come as an obligation. It actually comes through freedom. And Paul lived in this tension more than anybody else. Let me, let me kind of give you the backstory of what's going on. So there's two groups of people that Paul's trying to minister to, okay? There's the Jews and then there's the Gentiles, okay? Imagine now, there's the Jews are a group of people who have been following God all of their life. And all they've ever been taught all their life is that in order for you to be right with God, in order for you to have a good relationship with God, that you have to follow the laws of Moses. I mean, and there were hundreds of laws that they would have to follow. Now you and I know is that the Jews, they would do that pretty good for a little while and then they would mess up, right? Like you and I do, they would mess up. And then what would have to take place is that there would have to be a sacrifice in order for them to get back right with God. And then they would get back right with God and then they would try to follow the law. They'd do pretty good for a little while and they'd mess up again and there had to be a, another sacrifice, okay? And then Jesus enters the scene and what Jesus did changed all of it. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law that they had always known. Jesus was the once and for all, I'm paying it all, sacrifice done. You never have to sacrifice anything else. The law is fulfilled through Jesus. Now, that's what's going on in this time, okay? Now the Gentiles, they go, wow. You know, this religion looks, this looks pretty good. I think I might want to get me some of that, God. You know, that sounds pretty good that you, what you guys are talking about. They're learning about what Jesus has done for them. And the Jews are going, oh, wait a second, Gentiles. If you want to be a Christ follower, if you want to be right with God, then you've got to go back and start obeying all the laws that we've been obeying all of our life. And for some of you guys, that means you're going to have to have a surgical procedure. And some of you know what I'm talking about. It was that serious. There was all of these laws that they would have to obey. And the Jews are like, what? I thought it was just freedom that we have in Christ. Now, let me, let me kind of put it to you in modern terms what this would feel like, okay? You ready? Imagine some of you are high school, middle school students. All of us, you know, we've maybe gone through college. At some point in our life, we've been in the education system, okay? Imagine if you are a junior, a senior in high school and all of your education life, you have been working to keep a certain GPA, okay? You've been working so hard to create this best GPA because you want to get in the very best university possible, which we all know is Wake Forest University. It's over here in Winston-Salem. It's an amazing university. You want to go to Wake Forest. I mean, you set your you set it very high, your standards are going very high and you work all of your life to create this best GPA and maybe you worked really hard to get good in the sport and you, you've just practiced so much because you wanna play for Wake Forest University, okay? And then you get accepted to Wake Forest University. It's going great, man, life is great. And the summer before, you're going this fall and the summer before the rules change, okay? And that summer, Wake Forest says, you know what, we'd like to, to make it available for anybody who wants to come get the best education 
you can come to school at Wake Forest University. GPA doesn't matter. So in other words, Carolina, UNC people, we're going to Carolina, they can now come to Wake Forest. It's not a problem, okay? Now anybody can go. You'd be a little upset. You're like, well, wait a second, you can, I've worked all my life to keep, have this GPA. You, you can't let Carolina Tar Heel people in. What in the world's going on here? So you can understand this tension that the Jews are feeling. They're like, no way, they can't be right with God just because they believe in Jesus. And Paul is living in this tension and he's trying to minister to these two groups of people. And we're gonna pick up the story here in Galatians 5, 13. This is what Paul writes to that group of people. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Here's the word, everybody say it together. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. See, what Paul is saying is, hey, listen, Gentiles, yes, you have experienced freedom like nobody's business. Jesus has fulfilled the law, but wait a second. He didn't do it just so you could make a name for yourself. He didn't do it just so you could just have other people serve your needs. No, the reason he did it was so that you would be free to serve others in love. So I'd ask you, is, is, are, how are we doing with this? Are we using our freedom as Christ followers? Are we using our freedom, some at church, those joining us online, are we using our freedom to simply satisfy ourselves? Are we using our freedoms to serve the needs of others? Because what Paul understood is what Jesus said, is that in order for you to be separated from the world, then there has to be something different about you. See, there's, there's this gravitational pull inside of all of us to just go to me, to just, hey, serve me, do for me, do for me. But Jesus said that we would be set apart by how we love one another. Let me break it down to you this way. You are free, but you're free to serve one another. Some at church, Christians, we are free, but we're not just free just to push our own agenda. We're free so that we can serve others in love. Now at the beginning, I asked you guys to imagine what would it look like for you if you had unlimited resources, unlimited time, un unlimited energy? What would you do? See, there was once somebody who walked this earth and he didn't have to imagine. His name was Jesus. And Jesus was the son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the redeemer, the lamb of God. And he didn't have to imagine what he could have done because he had it. He could have done anything. He could have came to earth and had all of us simply bow to his feet and just serve him constantly. He had that ability, but yet he chose to serve others. In fact, he would come to this earth and be born in a stable next to animals. I mean, one of the most humbling ways to come to the earth. And then he would dedicate his entire life, his entire ministry to put the needs of others before his own. And then right before he would go and pay the ultimate sacrifice for all of us on the cross where he would 
basically lay down his life to serve you and I and all of mankind. Right before he does that, he spends an evening with his disciples, and you and I know this as the Lord's Supper. He spends his time with his disciples, and they've, they've ate dinner now, and, and Jesus does something. He gives them a new commandment. He says, I want you to love others as I have loved you. And that's a part of our vision statement here at the Summit Church. But right before he does that, or right in that time, Jesus does something to take his whole life and kind of model it one more time to his followers, to his disciples. And Jesus takes a basin and fills it with water. And he gets down on his knees and he washes the feet, the feet of the disciples. Now to you and I, we think that's nasty, right? But let me just tell you, as nasty as you might think it is, it was even nastier then. It was one of the most humbling things that you could do for somebody. To try to put it in perspective, it would be like if Queen Elizabeth or President Trump or President Obama, whoever you idolize, were to come to your house this week and stay with you. It would be like them saying when they walk through the door, hey, you take a seat. I want to clean your house. I'm going to cook your meals for you. You just relax. I'm going to mow the grass for you. I'm gonna take care of everything that you need. I'm just here to serve you. It would be the equivalent of something like that, but even further. Jesus' whole life was about modeling to the followers, his followers, what it looked like to serve others, what it looked like to love others through serving them. So I ask you, if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if our Savior Jesus Christ did this, then what does that mean for me and you? What does that mean for us who say we are Christ followers? How much more should we dedicate our lives to serving out of freedom, not out of obligation, but serving the needs of others? Philippians 2, 5 through 7 reads this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. If the King of kings and the Lord of lords modeled this for us and we say we're Christ followers, how much more should we dedicate our lives to serving and meeting the needs of others, but not out of obligation, out of freedom? Because Paul knew that it was out of that freedom that you and I would have the right attitude when we serve, that we would find fulfillment when we serve because it wouldn't be about an obligation, but it would be because of the freedom. So here's the question. What if every time a need presents itself to you and I as Christ followers? What if every time we see something take place that we think, man, this is maybe an opportunity for us. What if we were to ask God, God, is this a particular area where you could possibly use me today to be able to meet a need in somebody else's life? God, is this a way that you could possibly use me to encourage somebody else who maybe is going through a tough time? God, is this an area where you could possibly set me apart as a Christian, as a Christ follower from the rest of the world? Because God, the gravitational pull in me is inward. But God, is this an area where I can fight that tension and put the needs 
of somebody else before myself? And what if we begin to move to, you know what, God? I can do that. I got this. I can do that. I got this. Hey, see a need, meet a need. See a need, meet a need. What if as Christ followers, every time a need presented itself, we said, you know what? I can do that. I got this. God, put me in. Use me, God, in this way to be able to encourage somebody else. See a need, meet a need. God, I can do that. I got this. See, here, here recently over the last couple of months, over the summer, there was a family in our church who has been going through a very tragic time. And Jason Crawford, the Crawford family, Jason and his son Hunter were out uh, in Spartanburg, South Carolina. They were riding four-wheelers, having a great time. We've all done this, right? We've, we've all went out and done things that have fun and all this kind of stuff. And at some point, Jason lost control of his four-wheeler and he struck a tree. And Jason was in, I mean, he was in a bad condition. He's laying there and they're, they're basically, they, they can't do anything for him. So they're, they're trying to air vac, you know, air vac him out to get him, airlift him to the closest hospital that would possibly even be able to take him because of the head trauma that he has experienced. Jason would be airlifted to the Spartanburg Hospital, two and a half hours away from home. And the family is basically living out of a waiting room with the, the stuff that they have for the next 24, 48 hours. And Jason would go through multiple surgeries, ICU, fighting for his life. And even right now, he is in Charlotte, been moved to Charlotte a little bit closer to home, but he's still in ICU fighting for his life. And there was another family in our church that saw this happen and they remembered that when they had something tragic like this happen in their life, somebody did something for them that they thought was so cool and so unique that they decided they wanted to do that for the Crawford family. And what this family did is they basically said, you know what, we know that you're two and a half hours away from home and the needs of at home don't stop, right? I mean, they keep going, the grass continues to grow. It's summertime. And this family decided to contact the landscaping company and they've basically been paying for this landscaping company to come over to their house and take care of their yard every single week while Jason's in the hospital, still going on. And they're doing this because they wanted to show a family that you're not at this alone. Now, and not in any way did this family pay in to have the yard landscape and take care of, did it, did it heal Jason? Did in any way get him out of ICU any quicker? Jason is still fighting for his life. But what it did do to this family is it encouraged them in a time that they were feeling like, oh, we're all alone, we're two and a half hours away from home. And this family said, no, you're not all alone. We love you. And this is just one area that we would love to be able to help in. The reason I tell you that story is because I think a lot of times as Christians, when we think about meeting the needs of others, we automatically go to like the most desperate situations, right? We think about the family who has no food, no clothes, all of that. We automatically go to there. But I believe that there is needs all around you and I, everywhere where we're at, everywhere where God has placed you in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your communities, at your gym, at Target, wherever. There are needs there where God can use you and I to be able to meet somebody's need and be able to encourage somebody else. And here's what I know will happen. When you and I serve others, God 
changes lives. And he usually starts with yours. See, when you begin to meet needs in other people, God will begin to change lives. But he usually will start with yours because of your obedience, because if you saying, you know what, I'm gonna be set apart from the rest of the world and I'm gonna do something about this. God, I can do it. I got this. Put me in. Let me do it. I can do that. I got this. And here's what I know. At the end of the day, when you and I lay down to go to sleep, if you and I simply use the resources that God has given us to better ourselves, to do things for us, to have people simply serve us, then we're gonna stay empty. Sure, it'll be great for the time it lasts, but you're gonna stay empty. But when you and I as a church, as Christ followers, begin to say, I can do that, I got this, and we begin to put the needs of others before us and we begin to serve others, I believe we're gonna find fulfillment that only God can give us when we say, yes, I can do that, I got this. You will begin to experience fulfillment like you've never imagined. So what does love require of me? Love requires that we serve one another, but not out of obligation, but out of the freedom that Paul said to the Gentiles. You are free, but you are free to serve others. See, as Christ followers, serving, it's not what I do. A servant is who I am. See, as Christians, serving's not what we do. A servant is who we are. Here's what I know. When we get this right as a church, when you and I begin to set ourselves apart from the rest of the world by what we do, by serving and putting the needs of others, our communities, our neighborhoods are gonna start noticing. And I can't guarantee that they're gonna all of a sudden believe in this Jesus that you and I follow. I can't guarantee that they're necessarily going to show up here on Sunday and sing the songs that you and I sing as we worship Jesus. I can't guarantee that. They may never believe what you and I believe, but what I can guarantee is that you and I will be set apart and they will go, you know what? I don't know if I believe what they believe, but they're different. Man, they, they love on people like you would not believe. I don't know if I believe what that teacher believes about what she says about Jesus, but let me just tell you, I hope that my kids get in her class because that woman puts others. She puts her students before herself. You know what, I don't, I don't know who I'm gonna work next to at work, but I sure do hope I get next to that guy. I don't know what if I believe what he believes about this Jesus guy, but let me just tell you, I would love to work next to him. And students, listen to me just for a second. Middle school, high school students that are in here. This message is not gonna be very popular when it comes to what the world is going to try to tell you. Let me just tell you that right up front. The world's gonna tell you, you better get your own. You better take care of yourself. You better look out for you and don't worry about everybody else. Listen to me. But I'm telling you, if you want to be set apart in this world for something that matters and will bring you fulfillment like you've never experienced, it's something that will matter for all of eternity, then take what Jesus says 
and do it. Separate yourself from the world, not by necessarily a GPA or how fast you can pitch a fastball or how good you are at a certain sport. Separate yourself from the world by how you love and serve others. See a need, meet a need. God, I can do that. I got this. God, I can do that. I got this. See, how are we choosing to use our freedoms today? As a church, as Christ followers, how are we choosing to use our freedoms? Are we simply just pushing our own agenda? Or are we gonna use our freedoms, as Paul said, to serve one another? See a need, meet a need. God, I can do that. I got this. I can do that. I got this. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your example to us, the life that you live that would be a life of sacrifice and putting the needs of others before yourself. God, you didn't have to do that. You could have simply came and had each of us bow at your feet and just serve you. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. But God, you chose to put the needs of others before yourself. God, thank you so much for modeling that, God. And thank you for the challenge. Not the challenge out of obligation, but God, but giving us the freedom to love others. God, I pray that we would all open our eyes to see the needs around us. Help us to to see it in a way with your eyes, Father. God, help us to be open-minded in those situations and to ask you, God, is this an area where you can use me to bless someone else? God, is this an area where you can use me to meet a need, to encourage somebody? God, help us as Christ followers separate ourselves from the rest of the world, not to make a name for us or this church, but to make a name for you, God, because you are the only one who deserves it. You are our Savior. God, I pray that we will be attuned to your voice today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.